was a powerful day to fast, but nighttime was a powerful time to eat, mm, especially when you're cooking. So today is Maha Shivratri, and I wanted to chat about Maha Shivratri and talk about what that's all about. So who is Shiva anyway? And get all into that. So what do you know about Maha Shivratri? Is he ace? Oh, welcome back to the potty. Hello. What do we know about Shiva? Can I have a crack? Please. Should I have a crack? I'd love to hear what you have to say. The way I interpret Shiva is the first expression with inside the Divine Mother. He is the destroyer, but he's also Adi Yogi. He's the first yogi. And I don't know where I'm going with this. Shiva is the Mahadeva, the grand intelligence of the manifest world, the manifest world. And tonight is the night of Shiva when it's alleged that Shiva did a little dance and made the whole universe. So Shiva may be... um, the Vedic answer to the Big Bang. There you go. And so Shiva is in meditation, and that is how Shiva dreams the universe alive. And then when he's finished with his uh, creation, he opens his eyes and burns it all down. Similarly, yogis, because he's Adi Yogi, he is the first yogi, um, similarly, when we awaken, then we burn our reality down too. So there's a similarity there with us yogis and Shiva, the first yogi. What do you think about old Shiv? Um, as a fan of yoga, yes, I think Shiva's my man. Yeah. I think he's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what has been hard to connect to for... The initial years practicing yoga was this personification of um, of Lord Shiva. Mm-hmm. For a long time there was a part of me that wrestled with this idea of how many gods there were in the Hindu yeah. religion. How many gods do you guys need over there? Right. Mm. Um, uh, I thought that not only was it confusing initially that there were so many gods, but also just this idea that they had so many human qualities and uh, they were so detailed whilst it was beautiful. Um, It meant I couldn't quite connect to it because I'd always been raised with this idea of uh, one God Mm -hmm. and really a God that didn't have many human qualities, just had these these um, infinite qualities of omnipotence and omnipresence. And um, and yet I resisted that concept as well of yes. any sort of uh, formal deity that you had to um, offer devotion to. Mm. Um, and through the practice of yoga where a lot of the Hindu pantheon sort of creeps in to the stories of yoga and even though yoga isn't a religion, it's mm. a pathway towards self-realization and within that, we stumble upon places within us when we transcend the mind and move into deeper states of consciousness where there 
in my experience, is this feeling of oneness mm. and peace and contentedness. Mm. Um, that after a little while, it's not that you no longer don't believe in God, but that within you, you feel this deep connection to yourself and to everything that feels sacred, mm. that feels divine. And so suddenly this concept of God, whether personified or not, doesn't seem so intimidating anymore and doesn't seem so threatening. Yeah. You seem to be having some kind of actual experience of it. Yeah, like mm. you have this experience that suddenly when someone says, but isn't that just God? You think, oh, well, if it is, then I guess I believe in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's this beautiful falling away of resistance mm. rather than the dawning of belief. Or a blind faith or something. Yeah. Which is what it was for me, which is all very interesting because in that there's also this quality of Shiva who we're talking about specifically, mm. that Shiva is the destroyer the um, the um, di- dissolution function in, in mm. nature. See the remover of ignorance as well? The remover of ignorance. Mm. There's a lot of this, this theme of destruction and ending and finality with Shiva. Mm. And as you said, you know, these spiritual practices are much less about becoming something and more the unbecoming, mm. peeling away of our conditioning, of our history, of our belief, belief systems, often our limiting belief systems that reveal this more present, more aware mm. self that can move in the world with less friction. Yeah. Uh, so, But still effort, right? <laughs> <laughs> Always uh, need both. <laughs> we, need, we need effort apparently because we tried to just a little why that's that little in-joke popped up. We tried to <laughs> set an intention on this new moon, uh, Mahashivaratri. We did a little yagya, a little fire ceremony and tried to burn um, our intention, which was effort, and it would not burn. So yeah, so we set this intention that uh, may we find more ease um, mm-hmm. in life, and and may we uh, more gracefully let go in the moments where we feel effort and resistance. And mm-hmm. we put wrote it on a piece of paper and threw it into the fire after chanting Om Namah Shivaya a hundred and eight <laughs> times and invoking that that quality of um, of Shiva, that force of nature. And the piece of paper started to blacken. And then after some time, it looked like the black and the red disappeared and it looked like the piece of paper again. And then suddenly the word effort appeared again. On it. <laughs> <laughs> it's spooky stuff. Yeah, so it's pra- a potent night tonight. It is very powerful. Um, so I'm taking from that we need to keep effort and just get good with using effort. Or maybe just be aware of mm. the moments where maybe – to have no effort isn't possible in the relative world. Possibly not. It's the opposite of effortlessness. So if mm. we want to experience that, we need effort. Yes. What do you think? Have we cracked it? I think so. I think the key is we just use some effort but don't resist resistance. Is that what it is? Don't resist. I'm not sure I know what that means. Surrendering <laughs> to resistance. <laughs> One thing I do know, though, is I know um, for me – in on the path of yoga, um, surrender has been a really big part and allowing things to mm. fall away has been a really big part. Often in my teaching, um, I talk about shedding, like shedding a skin, which is interesting as well because Shiva has this cobra um, that's wrapped around his neck. Um, so there's this idea of shedding and surrendering and, and um, ending, you know, that is wrapped around him literally mm-hmm. um, in the symbolism. Uh, and that's always been a really powerful of my, a powerful part of my own yoga practice and 
and a powerful part of my teaching. So um, Shiva was one of the first deities that appealed to me, that when I looked at him and I looked at the symbols around him, um, there was charm towards uh, towards learning more and I was drawn to him mm. even at the in those moments where I, I, I wasn't in with the with the devas, with the deities just yet. Um, and something that I found really interesting in my study of him was this different perspective when we don't talk about the gods as gods, mm-hmm. like gods in the sense that gods that They're decide our us, fate. Some faraway thing judging Correct. and ruling over us. Correct. Not like or, that. But, but more. more like the force of nature that, mm. you know, you look at the sun and you it feels beautiful on your skin, right? Mm. But forget, forget to put sun cream on and you're going to get burnt. Mm. And the ocean is beautiful to swim in, yet it can also take the form of a tsunami. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that nature is infinitely powerful and whilst it can give life, it can also take it away and, yeah. and it can sustain it as well. And mm. And that really resonated with me, this idea that in nature there are three functions. Mm. There's creation, there's maintenance, and there's destruction. And we see that in everything that grows outside of us, all the plants, um, all the animals, their cycles of birth, life, and death can yes. be shorter than ours at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we see that and, and we kind of accept that. But for ourselves, we don't see that we match that. Mm. So we don't see that our ideas, our beliefs, who we think we are, go through these cycles of birth, life, and death as well, mm-hmm. that we become so rigidly identified with our what personality traits. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Where we're doing it and who we're doing it with. All of that, that, yeah. that story of I, that in yoga we call the asmita, like mm-hmm. the ego, um, that we go on passionately trying to validate with all our life experiences. Mm. Um, That is the challenge of being human, Mm. that we become so identified with the who we are that we forget what we are. Mm. And I firmly believe that we are nature, just like the animals and the plants um, Mm. outside of us. And those cycles that are inevitable, that is the law of nature that everything that is born yes. will live and then will die, mm-hmm. um, that every part of us is much the same. And so mm-hmm. here's the comforting bit, well, for me at least, that something that sounds like such a negative concept of something being destroyed, something ending, the change that often makes us feel so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. the more we can invoke the force of Shiva, yes. the more that we can get comfortable with endings as the fertile ground for new beginnings, mm. the more we discover that effortlessness yeah. and, and that ease that you and I were invoking yes. <laughs> <laughs> tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Surrendering that resistance to change and to letting what's not relevant anymore be gone and make room for the new. Mm. Mm. Yeah, in yoga, the asmita that I just spoke of, that that need to to keep validating the personality, it's part of what we call the kleshas mm. and the kleshas are, are the causes of suffering. Mm. Um, and definitely that personality um, is one, but our attachments and our desires um, are another. Mm. And so I think suffering is something that we create for ourselves. And that can be mm. a really hard pill to swallow because all of us have experienced different degrees of life experience. Mm. Some of us have 
had a lot of support, both resilience internally and externally from family and, and community. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us have had really traumatic experiences. So this mm. idea that any suffering is our own doing, yeah, it's a hard pill to swallow for some of us. So, mm. you know, I want to acknowledge that we don't all have the same experiences in life and some are infinitely more challenging than others. Mm. And I think there's two ways to look at that too. One way can be taken as all your suffering is your fault. You, you're, you're useless. What have you done? But, you know, look at what you're doing to yourself as opposed to being like this, there's a lot of hope in that as well that yes. you can turn things around or you have the power within you to re-understand yes. things or change things to not suffer in the future and then even change understandings of the past to then ga- gather wisdom out of that to know what and how, you know, you can yeah. learn from it. There's a theme of empowerment. Yeah this idea that no matter how challenging the experience that we face, Mm. within that there is a seed of opportunity. Mm. Um, And so whenever we talk about philosophical concepts like this, you know, we have to understand that in the face of these challenges, it may not always be that simple. Yes. And that's why the more we practice things like yoga and meditation, when we're not in a necessarily traumatic experience Mm. and we get to close the eyes and transcend thoughts and strong feelings and we get to uh, feel the nervous system calm, we better build our capacity in Mm. order to respond to something less threatening like a mere thought rather than a real traumatic threatening experience when Mm -hmm. we're with the eyes open. Mm -hmm. Um, So we get better at that. And Mm. I'd like to think that the more we acquaint ourselves with that capacity within us, to remain calm in the face of little what we call vrittis, little fluctuations in the mind, Mm -hmm. the more capable we become of... When the waves get bigger. Yes, Mm. fighting um, or fighting is probably the wrong word, but... Mm. um, Navigating. Yeah, staying calm in the face of those challenges externally when they get bigger and bigger. Mm. Um, But I know I have experienced that in my life that now... The waves don't stop. You mm. continue to have challenges in your lives, yeah, yes, in your life, um, and yet there becomes this capacity that keeps growing mm. to know it's not about you. Yeah, to know that life is not out to get you, and these mm. things, in a way, are not happening to us. We're mm. experiencing them, um, mm. but. It's not out to get us. That mm. person didn't say that thing to us, um, maybe purposefully. You yes. know, w- that thing didn't happen to us. You know, mm. that parking ticket didn't happen to us. Mm. From the most trivial to the most challenging, like losing loved ones and mm. um, yeah, heartache that can take years to to settle. Mm-hmm. Um, we realize that within all of that there is this power that we maintain Mm -hmm. to be able to see that as whatever this thing is that either challenges us, threatens us or is ending and we're losing, Mm -hmm. that within that there's an opportunity for us to keep going despite all of it. And within that fragility of life comes its beauty. Mm -hmm that because we're not infinite, because yeah. we're finite, mm-hmm. then we should live this life like it's a glorious gift. Yes. And when we're spending all our time suffering and resisting, mm. 
we rob ourselves of the, of the opportunity to do that. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like sometimes events that we think are out to get us if we're rigidly attached to another idea are just little guides trying to shuffle us in the right direction. And the more that we resist and force against them, then the more we suffer in that process, I guess. Yeah, we can all probably relate to that, to Mm. the sliding doors moment of wanting to go one way, that path being blocked, having to go another way, and then something beyond what you even anticipated Mm. um, happening instead. Yeah. So... I'm a, these days I pay attention. Yes. I used to, I used to be someone who really glorified the intellect Mm. and I'd worked really hard at school and university to build all these facts into my mind and I Mm. used those facts and my life experience to validate my choices Mm. and to say I've made this decision and Mm. it's the right decision because I've really thought about it. And again, if things went my way, I'd say, yep. See, I was right. I really got that mm. right. Correct. Yeah. Um, and if it didn't go my way, it was like, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be. And you'd make some, I'd make some sort of excuse or, mm-hmm. or feel frustrated. And that's yeah. where the suffering comes in. You know, I had this expectation and it wasn't met. Mm. And it's taken me a really long time to get to that place where I welcome that shiver energy, mm. that when I feel like, I had an idea that something would eventuate in a particular way and yet I feel it slipping through my fingers. Mm. There's this wholehearted knowing. Great. (laughs) What's next? (laughs) Yeah, that, okay, something Mm. else is around the corner and Mm. that something else might be more enjoyable Mm. or it might be a moment where there's more challenge. Mm. Um, But it always seems to spit us out somewhere better. Mm. And it seems... From this from this perspective, that the old way, like the more and more you go down this side of this perspective, the old way seems so untenable. It seems so impossible to, that it could work. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. If the further away you get from that control and using the intellect all the time, the, the the more ridiculous it feels. Like you're like, how did I even think I could get away with trying to control the whole universe, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Who do I think I am? Yeah. <laughs> that I have that much power that mm. I can micromanage all of it. Yeah. Um, more than anything, as I hear those words, I feel exhausted thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's people listening that are having different experiences. This one is mine. Yes. My experience over the last however many years has been that the more I let go and the more I surrender and the Mm. more I invoke that shiver energy to allow things to end and to celebrate things ending, Mm. there seems to be new growth that is more potent. Mm. Um, And and even more than that, than the new things being better than the old things, is this this sense of ease Mm. with all of it that makes for more energy to enjoy things that I like, you know, when I'm not so focused on the things that are ending because they're ending and I can't control that, Mm. I get to focus on the things that I'm creating. Mm. Suddenly there is this surge of energy to inspire me to do the new things that I want to do. And I hear this a lot in students, you know, when we're in courses and we're sitting and we're dissecting ideas, I hear students talk about how hard it is to let go, Mm. how they can't seem to surrender particular ideas or 
whatever it is. Yeah. And always there's this theme of hardship of actually, you know that story of the monkey and the coconut that mm, that no. that there's this um coconut right and it's got a treat inside. Mm-hmm. And the monkey really wants the coconut. Oh, and he's got a hole in the top. And there's a hole in the top. He puts his hand in there and he makes a fist and grabs it, but then he can't get his hand out of the coconut. Correct. And now he's mm. got a dilemma, right? Mm. He really wants the treat in the coconut, but mm. if he doesn't open his hand, he can't get his hand and the treat out of the coconut. Yes. Um, and it's a bit like that, I think, with us and resistance mm. and change that we're holding on. Yes. We are the reason that whatever is shifting and moving is is not able to pass through. Yes. We're the ones and we suffer as a result. We're like that monkey getting frustrated that mm. we're neither here nor there. Yeah. And if only we let mm. our hand open, and we qu- would be free. Quite often we're not even aware that we're, hold- we're how we're holding on or where we're holding on. So it, They're blind spots. Yeah. And in yoga and meditation, you know, these pathways, these systems rather that, that originate from these really ancient traditions Mm. They're considered pathways towards liberation. Mm. Enlightenment is not some sort of moment where you start to levitate off the ground (laughs) and float into a cave into the Himalayas. Mm. Um, In my mind and in in the traditions that I'm practicing at the moment, it's very much an ability, a freedom in this moment, Mm -hmm. a freedom in this life, not a shedding of the body and... um, you know, not being part of this this life experience anymore. Yes. Um, but very much that feeling of moment to moment freedom. Mm. Um, that we this pathway towards freedom is a pathway towards freedom from from suffering that in hindsight, as we keep evolving and we keep looking back at the things we used to suffer over, mm. it all seems so trivial. Yeah. Only in hindsight. At the time, it feels very real. Yes. And many of our problems that to some might seem trivial cause us mm. great worry. And it's the old, the old the mountain that you climb over, then you turn around and it's a molehill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one of the deities that I really love and I'm really drawn to is Ganesha. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ganesha is the elephant god and he's mm. said to be the force in nature that removes obstacles. Mm. And so when we have this moment where we feel stuck, where we feel there's a boulder in our path, mm. um, Ganesha is said to help us clear that path, to provide the insight that we need to move forward. Mm. So sort of similar themes, I guess, in a sense. Um and I heard it said, and, and I I share this all the time, this idea that often when there are challenges before us, um, we see them as boulders in our path. We see that they block our path. Mm. And a shift in perspective could see that these boulders actually become the stepping stones that we walk on mm. in our path, along our path. And I, I, I say, that, say that all the time. And um, so, yeah, I love that that imagery to I kind of picture myself standing in front of this huge boulder Mm. and then zooming out and realizing that I can climb on top of this boulder Mm -hmm. and jump from one to the next to the next. Yes. Um, And so if for a moment we indulge in the idea that we are here for no other reason than to play and to learn, Mm -hmm. uh, then these challenges become the curriculum, you know, in this experience for us Mm. that every time we're faced with a challenge that is life. Mm. And we're able to be, to use our innate creativity to overcome them as well. 
So when we start yoga, it's about how can we cope. And then when we finish yoga, like, like we're going to finish it, right? When we finish yoga, <laughs> it's about how we can, we can um, not just cope, but express ourselves and thrive creatively. Yeah. That, you know, we connect to ourselves and within that we see a lot of growth, a mm. lot of creation, a lot of things that are being sustained and maintained and a lot of things that are dying away. So we start mm. to see these cycles in nature inherent mm. in us. Yes. And that forms that basis of connecting to ourselves, not connecting to the best part of ourselves, connecting to every part, mm-hmm. the bit that's beginning, that's new, that's fresh, mm. the bit that is stable and grounded and all the parts that are falling away and that are ending and being shed. Mm. We're in this constant state of change. Yeah. And when we're able to connect from that place within ourselves, there's an overall stability in recognizing this is what I am. Yes. I'm this cycle. I'm mm. this ever evolving, shifting creation. Yeah. Uh, and so when we're stabilized in that, the natural expression is is to want to connect with others because mm. I think we we access this absolute um, zest for life mm. when we see how magnificent we are, how complicated and magnificent um, and beautiful we are inside. Mm. It just makes us want to connect and play with others yeah. um, that are equally as magnificent. <laughs> and complex and crazy. <laughs> so how does this connect all back to Shiva? So I guess tonight is a really powerful night and it's powerful because these traditions offer us rituals. Mm. Um, and in our secular modern lives, often we're, we're really starved of mm. ritual where mm. we honor the sacredness in life. Mm. And so tonight, even just looking at one aspect of destruction and things ending, how powerful it is to zoom in for a moment mm. um, on that. And I have no doubt that tomorrow uh, when I bump into things in life that feel like they're a little bit of a boulder, mm. uh, when I feel something within me shift and change, when I feel like I want to let something go or I feel like I can't let something go, mm. I get to draw on this. It's mm. It's front of mind, yeah. It's mm. it's pulsating in my in my consciousness. This mm. idea of shiva energy of invoking this capacity that already exists within us to let go, mm. and like a muscle, we need to flex this idea of surrender. Mm. And the more we practice surrendering, the better we get at it. Mm. Um, so that's what I draw out of tonight, and 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 out of this shiva energy. Mm. Very good. What about you? Definitely, definitely, definitely surrender as well. Yeah. There's, and it's just when it, when you come to talking, when I, when I think about the, the deities or the gods or the devas or whatever word you want to use for it again, I just keep coming back to the more expansive states of intelligence that govern. Mm. And, you know, there's, we have cells in our body, like you said, that, maintain that create and that destroy themselves and replenish themselves mm. all the time and they're all it's always happening but we never have a hole in our arm where our cells are busy replacing themselves it's always it's always being maintained always being destroyed and always being created so um and and that's on a micro scale and as we go up 
all the cells function within a within a one particular organ and all the organs work within a body and the bodies work within a community and the community goes bigger and bigger and bigger and um like you're saying that you can interact with the the laws of nature and the physical ocean and the physical sun and you have a relationship with these things there are laws of nature that govern beyond or govern in between the sea and the sun that we can't see necessarily as a physical thing that we can't physically touch but um, when we place our awareness or our attention on that part of ourself then we can have a relationship with it and um, that's that's for me how I feel about you know sitting there in front of the fire Mm. and giving my attention and awareness to that part of myself or that part of nature that is um, the remover of ignorance, the, especially when it comes to uh, consciousness. Say, what what am I not seeing? What can what's not relevant? Mm. What can be what can be removed? Yeah. So that, as well as mm. what physically do I do, do I need to be moving in my life or letting go of? What what am I physically holding on to? And what am I emotionally holding on to? Or what ideas am I holding on to? Because I think ideas are the most powerful things that oh, we can yeah. hold on to. That cause the most suffering yeah and what i hear in what you say is a sense of devotion like a sense of devotion to the body to nature Mm -hmm. this absolute incredible Mm -hmm. system that is so intelligent Mm -hmm. but because it functions so autonomously without us controlling it yeah we take it for granted Mm. And we miss the sacredness and the potency of ourselves and mm. of nature around us. And so we pollute ourselves and yeah. nature around us. <laughs> um, and how powerful could that be to notice that sacredness mm. and to have rituals that even if we don't think about the deities as, as big energies, mm. you know, capable of being called on outside of ourselves just to look at fire and to understand how powerful it is to destroy mm. yeah. um, and to destroy those parts of ourselves, um, even maybe physical, tangible bits that, that we want to change and, and mm. we want to transition um, and to allow that to be the seed that could germinate into something more mm. and just to stay open to that idea mm. that, what do we have to lose to be open to these concepts? Mm. How beautiful could that be that there is this incredible cosmic intelligence um, that Mm. has woven the web of life Mm. and that we are a part of that and therefore we are susceptible to all the fragility of life Mm. but that also we are a beautiful work of art just like all the flowers and all the trees, beautiful and complex and yet you completely unique every single one of us. Yeah. We don't flinch at <clears throat> we don't flinch at looking at one flower and seeing it as beautiful as another. We don't compare them and yet we've mm. gotten into the habit of doing that with ourselves. Mm. We've gotten into the habit of thinking our minds and our thoughts aren't good enough. Mm. Um, and we've created all this suffering at our uniqueness, mm. which is the very expression of the creativity of, of nature. Yes. And yet we've come so far away from seeing ourselves as that um, that we give ourselves a pretty hard time. Mm. And so I guess my my wish for anyone that might listen to this on Mahashivaratri is that 
um, they feel a sense of um, connection to themselves mm. as uh, an absolute force of nature mm. um, and that from that devotion um, it can grow wherever it needs to grow for them. Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. So a little side note while you're reading what you need to read. Yes. That the language of Sanskrit um, is a very powerful vibrational language. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's said that when you create these sounds with your mouth like Om Namah Shivaya, Mm. invoking that energy of Shiva, that Mm. destruction, dissolution energy, um, that those vibrations alone when emitted out into the atmosphere have a powerful vibratory force and Mm. a magnetizing force towards you. Um, And in the intellectual mind that might be hard to believe if this is a new concept, Mm. Um, but like any practice like yoga or meditation, uh, the the benefit and the experience comes from trying it and mm. from the practice. Yes. So tonight is a powerful night to chant Om Namah Shivaya if you like 108 times because that's a pretty auspicious number in <laughs> Vedic culture. <laughs> yes. Um, but to chant it and then see what you feel inside. <laughs> mm. Om Namah Shivaya. So I, what I had written was, by surrendering to the intelligence that governs all things, allows the space to see things as they are and not as I may prefer them to be. It's also the key practice that allows the energy associated with stress to leave the body because when we don't surrender, we are resisting or arguing with the universe the way that things should be and defending our position of, Mm. why didn't this thing turn out the way that I wanted it? And then we Mm. contract. And when we contract, we hold the energy within the body and that creates... Um, more stress and more Mm. suffering. And if we refer to this life force as this energy that flows through us, Mm. from the earth, from our breath, Mm. through us. It's supposed to. Yeah, well, when we contract and Mm. resist that way, we literally create these blockages, Mm. these tensions, and you might experience that as a really stiff neck and tense Mm. shoulders from always feeling stressed or a Mm. tense jaw or you might experience that as an inability to let go of a negative thought Mm. um, or a limiting belief. But all of those blockages within us, no matter whether they're in the gross tangible body or in the subtlest parts of who we are, Mm. they impede the flow of that life force energy through us. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I guess for me that's what yoga and meditation is about. And Mm. for me that's what the philosophies behind these systems is about why I think we need the knowledge and the practice Mm. because the knowledge helps us create a context for why we practice Mm. and helps us understand the nature of reality and our place in that. And the practice literally creates this kriya, this Mm. release of these blockages so that we can physically experience um, that liberation. Mm. And experience the knowledge then that we're talking about in the first place. Exactly, within Mm. our own cells and put your awareness on on the destruction operator or on whatever kind of thing you're thinking of and experience that and yeah and the connection between all things because i think that's that's the biggest thing that we lose when we get stressed is we we focus in on one one or two things and we drop the uh 
the awareness of everything else around it. Yeah, from a neuro- neurological point of view, when we feel stress, the front back brain pretty much switches off mm. and we just go into our really instinctual reptilian brain. Mm. Um, and that part of the brain is just about fight or flight or freeze. Mm. Do I run away from this threat, this challenge, whether internal or external, or do I fight it? Mm. Um, and we don't have as many external challenges as we used to when we were um, living life um, out in the wild. Yeah. Um, many, many, many of our challenges these days and our threats are self-imposed mm. and created. A lot of them are fictitious. Yeah. You know, we feel threatened by an idea being challenged. Mm. Um, and so the less... It's only because half your brain switched off. Half your brain switched off. So we've worked so hard, you know, mm. in the in our evolutionary history to mm. develop this frontal brain and mm. we've used it to create incredible technologies, mm. yeah, and to make amazing art. But yet we really haven't evolved in our capacity to deal with stress. Mm. And in fact, the busier that we get, the more externally focused our attention is into our phones and into our televisions and mm. beyond. Um the less we are capable to deal with minor stresses that come along. We can mm. get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. Um, but we're not really great at dealing with the really mm-hmm. elementary things um, that life asks us to do, mm-hmm. which is honour that everything changes in life. Mm. There is a cycle to all of it. Mm. And if we just devoted a fraction of the amount of time that we spend on social media Mm. uh, to some of these practices that remind us Mm. that when we've forgotten who we are or what we are. Clears the body of stresses and energies that have been stored, Mm -hmm. blockages in all the channels. Mm -hmm. And in that Mm. sense, yeah, let's have this busy life. Let's have life that's full of all these technologies and all these things Mm. if we're able to process it And digest it all, yeah. Yeah, but... Mm. You know, we're so blocked up mm. that that pressure valve needs to be released and we know all the ways that we like to release the tension in in the West, yeah. um, all our crutches that we like to lean on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another way that mm. for me has not only been highly effective mm. but, again, has led me back to that sacredness of life and mm. and the wonder and the intelligence in my body um, and it's it's helped me access how marvelous life can be Yeah, <laughs> to mm. really let you live rather than survive. Mm. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. <laughs> <laughs>